Hello and welcome. Thank you for downloading this week's Sermon and Prayers of Intercession from the English Reformed Church Amsterdam. We hope you will enjoy what you are about to hear and that you will be blessed. Let us pray. Living God, teach us to wrestle with your word and with your truth that we may be made new. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The great 16th century reformer John Calvin spoke of the human mind as an idle factory, by which he meant that we as human beings have a strong inclination to make God in our own image. We like to imagine God as we would like God to be, and we end up with an idol of our own making. And so it is that it's not uncommon in Christian circles to find God portrayed as a kind of a Mary Poppins, a kindly figure who comes along to tidy up our mess, to put things right, to comfort us and to reassure us, and to give us peace and joy and affirmation. And by such idolatry, God is tamed and domesticated. And if that is your take on God, then this morning's passage may be a little bit unsettling. What we have is a dramatic and mysterious story with a lack of clarity that only adds to the suspense. Jacob, the forefather of the people of Israel, is on his way to a rendezvous with his brother Esau. And Jacob is a worried and troubled man because years before he cheated his brother Esau out of a blessing, thus living up to his name, which means cheat or trickster. Only now Esau has caught up with him. And the scene is set for a showdown between the two brothers. And Jacob is scared, as well he might be. He is cornered, and none of his trickery will help him now. It's payback time, and Jacob casts a solitary and lonely shadow as night falls. His entourage of his family and servants have been sent away across the river, and he is now alone in the gathering gloom. Then suddenly, no explanation, it is as if Jacob is mugged. Out of the dark, this mysterious weight is upon him. And there follows a desperate struggle between these two figures, each clinging to the other. The stranger tries to overcome Jacob, but cannot prevail. He tries to break free, but he cannot escape Jacob's grip. And Jacob holds on, clinging for dear life, pleading for a blessing. I will not let you go unless you bless me. And as the dawn breaks, Jacob emerges with his hip out of joint, but with the blessing that he craved, and with a new name, no longer Jacob the cheat, 
but Israel, the one who strives with God. So what on earth are we to make of this story? What is going on in the darkness by the ford of Jabbok? Well, let me propose to you that we might consider this story in two ways. Firstly, let me suggest that what we have here is a picture of the nation of Israel in its conflicted and tempestuous relationship with God. Israel's story, remember, begins with a people who are rescued from captivity from the land of Egypt. And God enters into a covenant with them. I will be your God and you will be my people, binding Israel and God together in union. But the story of God and Israel is uneven and often fraught. At times they seem to be locked in an embrace, passionate and tender. And at times they seem to be held in a kind of a divine dance, their steps choreographed in union. But at times they seem to be caught in a life or death struggle. God wrestling with a recalcitrant and faithless Israel. Israel resisting God and God resisting Israel. God tempted to let go but refusing to do so. And the experience of exile in Babylon in the 6th century BC seemed to be the nadir of that relationship when all that Israel held dear was snatched from them and they were brutally defeated by their enemies. And Israel emerges from the exile broken and wounded but limping on to a new chapter in the story. That's one way of reading this passage. But then secondly, let me suggest that this narrative gives us a deeper insight into the extraordinary God who we meet in Israel's story. Here, after all, is a God who comes to us and engages with us and locks arms with us. This is not the holy, distant, far away God beyond the world. This is God in the fray, God in the mud and the blood, God getting down and dirty with us, reaching out, grasping us, rubbing up against our flesh. This is the God determined to subdue us and take us captive, resolved to overcome our resistance. This is the God coming to us in our guilt and our shame, like Jacob, and binding us in the fierce grip of grace and refusing to allow us to shake him off. And when the stranger pleads with Jacob to let him go, for the day is breaking, surely this is out of concern for Jacob, lest he see the face of God in the clear light of day and so perish. 
This is the God who will finally come to us, revealing his face and getting down and dirty with us, binding himself to us with ropes and with nails. So there are two ways of reading the story. A graphic image of Israel's history, a graphic image of Israel's God. But the story goes far deeper than that. Clearly, it's a story about struggle. And here I want to note that at the beginning of the narrative, the figure in the dark is described as a man. A man wrestled with Jacob until daybreak. And read this way, the story could be seen as symbolizing Jacob's wrestling with himself. The man who struggles with his own shadow, his own self. And surely we recognize here one feature of sin. For you see, sin does many things. Sin sets us against God, separating us from our creation. And sin separates us from our fellow human beings, estranging us from one another, estranging Jacob from Esau. But sin also sets us against ourselves, alienating us from ourselves, such that I am not at peace with the person who stares back at me every morning from the mirror. And I long to be at peace with myself, to be reconciled with me. One feature of my estrangement from myself is my conscience. When I know that I have done what I ought not to have done or failed to do what I ought to do. And at one level, surely, Jacob here is wrestling with his conscience. He is ashamed of his wronging of Esau. When you are by nature a crook and a cheat, your rear view mirror constantly reflects the car crashes that you leave in your wake, and somewhere deep down you suffer the pangs of a troubled conscience that will not give you peace, peace with yourself. There is, however, more to this conflict with ourselves that this passage portrays. For one intriguing feature of the passage is that it has baptismal overtones. Note that the incident takes place by the ford of Jabbok. And Jacob sends his family across the brook at the start of the story and then returns for the night only to cross the stream the next day to meet Esau. And here is baptismal imagery. And baptism recognizes that in each and every one of us there are two conflicting selves. An old self, an inauthentic self, and a strange self that is not really me at all and that must die. And baptism proclaims that this old self has been sentenced to death 
In fact, it has been crucified with Christ, nailed to the cross with Jesus. And what emerges out of baptism is my true self, my reconciled self, my authentic self, which is really me as God knows me and which rises with Christ. But the Christian life is a struggle between those two selves. My old estranged self keeps coming back, seeking to usurp my identity. And so I struggle between the old and the new, and this is what is happening with Jacob. In this struggle, he is given a new name, a new identity. Jacob, the old self, the cheat, the twister, is renamed Israel, one who strives with God, and yet they still struggle against each other. And it is Israel who will finally prevail, praise God, but not yet. And that is the story of your life and of mine. Jacob wrestling portrays our conflict with ourselves, symbolized graphically in baptism. But as we move on in the narrative, we find that this stranger in the night is no mere man, for it morphs into God, such that Jacob concludes that in his struggle, he has seen God face to face and lived to tell the tale. We might therefore think of all the ways in which the life of faith is not just a struggle with ourselves, but also a struggle with God. A wrestling, perhaps, with the will of God when we find it hard to cope with what life sends us. Or a wrestling with doubt which assails us, not least like Jacob in the dark hours of sorrow and despair. And we struggle sometimes with God in prayer. When we feel a little bit like Jacob, pleading for blessing, and God seems reticent and reluctant and unresponsive. And that, of course, is the thrust of our reading from Luke's gospel this morning. The story of the widow banging on the door of the judge. And who has not felt sometimes like that with God. We feel that our knuckles are raw from banging on God's door, but still it stays shut, the lights out. And to return to where we began, here is no Mary Poppins God who waves her wand and puts everything right. Here is a God whose face will not be seen and whose name will not be known and who cannot be tamed and domesticated and made to dance to our tune. This is the mysterious God, the elusive God of Jacob. And what we must admire here is Jacob's tenacity, his determination. 
There is a zeal for God here in Jacob that addresses us, a passion and a yearning that is prepared to struggle and to persist and to not let go. And of course, we cannot think of this passage without thinking of another figure who wrestled long into the night, struggling with the will of God, struggling and grappling in prayer until he sweated blood, but in whom God's will was done. Do you know what it means to struggle with yourself? Do you know what it is to be locked in combat with that dark imposter who pretends to be you and who you yearn to be released from? Do you know what it is to struggle with God, to wrestle with the will of God, to wrestle in prayer, to wrestle with God's absence, to wrestle with God's silence, to wrestle in the dark? Well, learn from this story. God is with you in the struggle, binding himself to you and refusing to let you go. This is the God of peace, but whose peace only comes after the night of wrestling when we refuse to give up. This is the God who, after the night of struggle, walks with us across the river to face our fears, limping as we go, but with our wounds slowly being transformed into scars. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Lord, some days get hard. The pressure of life can start to feel like a struggle. Maybe we've been waiting on an answer to the prayers we've been praying to you, Lord. Sometimes we start to wonder if you even listen or if you really care. It seems all so quiet. Lord, sometimes we are wrestling like Jacob did with you. And we may feel stuck in difficult situations. And some of us are wrestling today, right here in this church. Also people, they are wrestling with you and with themselves. Wrestling in their thoughts, in their hearts and peace and peace and health seems far away and now Lord we become before your throne humbly and broken for our spirits are heavy and our souls can find no rest outside of your presence we need you, Lord, to show up strong and on our behalf right now. We are tired of wrestling 
We're weary in the struggle of it all. We don't understand what you're doing. We can't fully wrap our minds around your waves. But our hearts cry out to you for help and peace in our time of desperate need. Dear Lord Jesus, we proclaim again that no matter what we face, we trust you. We want to trust you, Father God. We know that your plans for us are good and filled with hope. We know that you have the best in store of us. Even though our circumstances seem too hard to bear right now. We believe that this storm won't last forever. We know that light will break through the dark. And we have confidence in you to bring us through. God, we confess to you that sometimes our worry seems too big. We don't see a way out of our current situation. And your timing seems different than what we would have chosen. But we know and believe not no matter how much we've struggled you alone can see the big picture and we praise you that you are with us in it all in our struggle help us to hear your voice through the difficult days help us to set our eyes on you alone Help us to keep moving in the direction you are leading us, leading this church. And thank you for your reminders that through every weakness and hard place, your strength is displayed in beautiful ways through our eyes. We can't do it on our own, Lord. We can't. We are so freshly aware of that, but you can work your great miracles in us and through us. Thank you that this battle will never have the final say of our lives. And because of your power and compassion, we will come through to the other side with greater perseverance, stronger faith and deeper awareness of your presence with us. Thank you that you are fighting for us and will bring us out as gold. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.